We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, my guy, Jack Manuel. And Jack, the Nets got a much-needed win tonight, 132-121 over the Hornets. How are we doing? Kyrie, Andrew, Irving. It was a Kyrie masterclass. This was probably one of my favorite Kyrie games, obviously. Not the first time he dropped 50 in a Nets uniform, but maybe the most meaningful 50-point game from Kyrie Irving. And we're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start? We're starting with Kyrie, Andrew Irving, Nick. 50 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, a steal, a block, 11 of 13 from the free throw line, 9 of 12 from 3, 15 of 19 from the field. He missed 4 freaking shots. That's an insane stat line if I've ever heard it. You talked about you know Kyrie and... This being one of his better performances, Nick, where does it rank? You know, honestly, you could convince me this is number one. That one after the Bulls game, though, obviously, I think even maybe more efficient than this one. It's pretty close. These are Kyrie's going to go down with two of the most efficient 50 point games in NBA history. Like we're talking top 10 in efficiency. If you looked up the numbers, you know, maybe that's something we'll do in the future. But it's incredible. And it's not like we're talking about a ton of easy shots. There's a couple end of shot clock possessions, especially that one in the fourth quarter where he wasn't even looking at the rim for like the last three seconds, gets a little bit of space, puts it up, swoosh. And then the three point attempts, there was one that was from like downtown Charlotte. And then a couple were heavily contested and just getting to the line. Like they could not defend Kyrie Irving. And this is the luxury of having two superstars, Kevin Durant, not his best game, but also you could tell Charlotte's game plan was to get the ball out of his hands early in this game after, you know, seven points early from KD and Kyrie took advantage. Like, okay, you want to give attention to Kevin Durant? Well, I can still drop 52. Another thing about this game that I love from Kyrie Irving is after the Celtics game, he mentioned, you know, he needed to show up. He needed to be better. Well, he showed up for that game and some. Uh, and some indeed, and something else. I, it was just, he's truly an insane basketball player. I, I, I just don't, I bewilder about the things that he can do on the basketball court. You mentioned that deep three. I think I was looking at some of the play-by-play. I think it was 32 feet. It felt 32 like it. feet, and 24 feet is the three-point line. So that's some Steph Curry, Damian Lillard shit. And Kyrie Irving is in that category of being one of the, the great point guards in the modern era. 79% is 15 of 19 from the field. 
this dude is something else, Nick. And the Nets are going to need him. And I think it's a luxury of the two superstars, as you alluded to. Ben Simmons, we've got news about him coming back, hopefully sooner rather than later. So hopefully we'll get to be talking about three superstars uh, sooner rather than later as well. But Nick, was there anyone that could actually lay a hand on Kyrie Irving? Because look, the Hornets have, you know, some guys around that. Like Terry Rozier isn't a, a horrible defender, but outside of that, you know, LaMelo Ball can be a bit of a sieve at times. They've got a lot more wingy, rangy guys, as you alluded to, that probably match up better with KD. Yeah, I mean, and they didn't really match up well with KD either. So, I mean, other than the fact they had a double team, I think a big factor too was like the Hornets don't have great rim protection. You know, Mason Plumley, not really that guy. You could say the same thing. Montrez Harrell, not good defensively. So at times when he was just getting past, you know, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, whoever it was, it was kind of easy for him to get in the paint, get into a spot he wanted to be and either get to the free throw line. Also loved his activity and transition. A couple good deflections from him. There was a late late possession this game in the fourth quarter where he drew a charge from Montrez Harrell, and I think that was kind of just him earning that charge because he uh, not charge up like offensive foul legal screen, but that's him earning it because he was fighting through screens a lot throughout that fourth quarter. Got two fouls early on, but you liked the physicality, and it was just like an all around really good game from Kyrie Irving. He just impacted the game on so many different levels and just played at you know, one of the highest skill levels you can see on an NBA court from a guy his size. It it was an incredible matchup and a game the Nets really needed to win. And these points just didn't come when they were easy. There was big shots in here that helped keep that lead and maintain it to a level of comfort. No, definitely. And I think that, you know, there's there's games that matter more. And this was a game that had the utmost importance given the fact that if the Nets were to lose, the Hornets would overtake them in the standings. Obviously, they're in a, a play-in battle. You know, I got some of the information wrong on, on one of our Buzz episodes. But, yeah, the, where the Nets are jockeying for seeding right now, you know, the Cavs are faltering a little bit. The Raptors have their issues. But, Nick, is it, I guess the Boston Celtics game, I know you did a really wonderful recap of it. Was it emblematic of like, you know, there was actually some good things there. Kyrie Irving started off poorly but finished the game a little bit better. Kevin Durant was otherworldly. And obviously this game had a little bit of a lull. Do you think that there was the nature, we sort of focus a lot on the the win-loss because we do an episode every single podcast, or you do especially. Do you think that the process is there for the Nets? Yeah, I think in that Celtics game, the positives that you could take away were the offense. Like, Boston is one of the best defenses in the league, arguably the best defense. And the Nets dropped, you know, what, 120 on them? And it wasn't extremely difficult. Obviously, KD went off, but, you know, you have KD and Kyrie. There's like a 50% chance one of them are going to go off every game. And I think you see some of the elements of how the Nets can be so effective offensively, given their shooting and the different specialty players they have. I think defensively is where the concern is, especially in that Celtics game. And you saw some of those issues again tonight. But when the Nets at least turn it up and play with some level of effort, you know, they they can kind of slow you down. I think the Hornets, I mentioned to you in the DMs, like the Hornets definitely gifted a ton of steals away to the Nets in that second quarter. But I think they were in position to make those plays where in the Celtics game and other games this season, you can't necessarily say they were in the position and they weren't in a spot to help their teammates or cover up where I thought at different points in this game, the help defense was good from specific players. Other guys, not so much. Yeah, that's obviously a work in progress, and the Nets are never going to be a great defensive team. We know that, but the offense can be you know, otherworldly, yep. and the Hornets aren't necessarily a great defensive team, but scoring 130 points, 132 points, sorry, against any NBA basketball team, especially this year where the offense has taken a little bit of a lull, but we've seen you know, the last couple of games, the Nets' offense is starting to click. The best version of the Nets is an offensive team. Sorry, and, Stephen. 
Yeah, and Jack, you know, tonight Seth Curry has an off night. You know, three of ten from the field, three of eight from three. We mentioned KD just kind of lack lackadaisical out there, not knocking down shots he normally hits, five turnovers. Like Nets easily could have scored 140 in this game. And if they had like a really truly hot night, which they still were 18 of 35 from three, like you could argue they could have touched 145, 150 in this one with how bad the Hornets were playing defense and the offensive weapons they have. Yeah, they shot 56% from the field, 46 of 82. It was just a, an offensive masterclass led by Kyrie Irving. And, you know, I wanted to look up, you know, where his free throw attempts have been this year. You know, a shade under four, which is sort of like around his career. He sort of goes four, four and a half um, across his career in the last couple of seasons. But this season alone, he's only had two games where he's had a 10 or more free throws. He did have nine against the Milwaukee Bucks um, in that pretty awesome game a couple of weeks ago. So... I think a part of it is the fact that he's such an awesome mid-range shooter. He's so because he, he's such an amazing three-level scorer. But his aggression at just getting easy buckets because he's one of the best free throw yep. shooters in the league as well. And some of that is sometimes getting a, an unfriendly whistle. But Kyrie Irving and all NBA basketball players, you know, Jason Tatum obviously against us had like 15, 17 free throws. When guys get a high level of free throws. Easy money, easy buckets. Yeah, it gets you rhythm. You see the ball go through the basket. It's that simple, especially like a hot night from three. Combine that with 13 attempts at the free throw line. Like you're just feeling really good. It's like in 2K, the more shots you hit, the hotter you get, the easier it is to knock down shots. Like it's related to real life. That's usually how things go. And that's how it kind of felt for Kyrie tonight. There just wasn't a shot that he didn't feel good about. And even the misses, a lot of them look good. Yeah, it's like Kyrie and KD. Most of the defenses aren't going to be good enough to stop the the expert level expertise on the offensive side of the floor. Nick, I wanted to ask you about the the dichotomy and the contrast from the first half to the second half. The first half, the Nets, 34 points, 35 points, 69 to 43. They hold a 26-point advantage. That second half, they get 63 points themselves, but they give up 78. What, yeah, I, tell me about the, 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 the differences, the similarities. What was going on in that first half that was so good? And then that second half, you touched on a little bit of the defense and the lapses there. Yeah, I think especially in that third quarter, the Nets offense got stagnant. Yeah, the Hornets came out aggressive, forced some turnovers, got some easy buckets, got some wide open looks, built up that level of confidence, got some rhythm to their offense. And that kind of continued. And I think the Nets transition defense was pretty bad in the second half compared to the first half. But typically, playing transition defense is a lot tougher when you're turning over the ball. You know, you're giving them two-on-one opportunities, you know, three-on-two, also just some long threes, some bad shots, and, you know, another team that threw the zone at the Nets. In that third quarter, the Hornets threw the zone at the Nets, definitely slowed them down and led to them getting some good possessions offensively. So it was a, a nice adjustment, I think, from the Hornets and a nice, you know, turn up of energy from them as well in that third. But I think a concern with this Nets team you see sometimes is like a team will go on a run and the Nets have a hard time slowing them down and flipping back that momentum. Soon as they build up that momentum, it feels like the Nets are just like fighting for their lives. But this is a team with Kyrie and Katie and all these offensive weapons. It shouldn't be that big of a problem. And Nash took two timeouts during that third quarter run. They just still weren't able to kind of get things going. And some of that too was just Kevin Durant having a bad night. Look, and Kevin Durant's bad night. Six of 13 from the field, one of three from three. Three boards, seven assists, 14 points. 
Nick, I'm going to ask you the big question. Russell Westbrook is thinking of being relegated from LA. Should the Nets do the same thing to Kevin Durant? <laughs> no, I think KD is going to be okay. Uh, obviously, <laughs> one bad game. And like I mentioned early on, you know, I think KD had seven points in the first few minutes. The Hornets definitely made an effort to start sending hard doubles. And he just looked a little disengaged tonight, like which is going to happen. It's, you know, a long season, not every matchup. Maybe he's looking forward to the Philadelphia game or whatever it is. And he's coming off a crazy game against. Uh, the Celtics as well could be a little bit of fatigue getting back in shape coming off the injury you know missing 21 games so I'm not really too concerned with KD especially because a lot of tonight's game felt just focus engagement and like just wasn't there you know what I mean there was just passes he made like his five turnovers honestly were all just terrible passes do you think that I've heard other people, more national media people, speak about his carelessness with the ball in his hands sometimes. And obviously, we know that he can, when he's got the ball in his hands, you know, his shot creation for himself is unparalleled. Do you think that that's an area of not concern, but an area that needs to be fine tuned for him? And and do you think that this is just like you know one little aberration? We know that you know Kevin Durant is an all-worldly basketball player, and not everyone can play 82 great games. But is that an area which needs to be tightened up a little bit? Yeah, I think for the playoffs, tighten up. I think he'll telegraph passes. You know, you know where he's trying to go. The defense knows where he's trying to go. Instead of kind of maybe looking away or, you know, just not making it so obvious, he'll throw that pass. I think a lot of it, though, is just like when he's not super locked in. I think you don't see as many of these passes in the playoffs or even in big games. I think it's more so just hey, it's the Hornets, like, he just wasn't super locked in tonight, and, you know, these are humans, things happen in their personal life, he could have something else going on, we don't know about, so there's so many different factors, I'm not concerned, you know, unless it was like a five-game stretch of this. Yeah, maybe I should throw the panic media at you for Kevin Durant, it's probably (laughs) a negative five uh, in saying that, make sure you listen to that episode with Doug Norrie in the Locked On Nets crossover, we had a lot of fun with it, but Nick, I want to get back to the game, who was the Nets' second best player tonight? You know, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown was great. I I really have started to get back to my love for Bruce because this season has been tough for him. The pre-trade deadline Bruce was not a good NBA player. The post-trade deadline Bruce has been awesome. He's been arguably one of the best role players. He's doing everything on the court. I think they mentioned a quote from Kevin Durant during the game. He's just a basketball player, and that's what he's doing. I think also I love the fact that he's attacking the rim now being active in transition, getting to the rim, trying to create these opportunities for himself, capitalizing on the defense, sleeping and defensively three steals tonight and just playing with a level of physicality and annoyance. Like he's the type of defender that you just don't want to see. He's just the type of guy that's going to make you earn every possession. He's going to give you a couple extra uh, bumps here and there. And you're going to know that you played Bruce Brown tonight. So I'm looking forward to what he can do the rest of the year and really finding his groove. And tonight he didn't even really do anything from the three point line and still scored 14 points. No, and look, that's what he's been averaging, funnily enough, Nick, for the last sort of eight games or so. I just picked out an arbitrary number around that sort of trade deadline, early February, Ma. 14 points, three or six, six boards, include two and a half offensive boards, uh, 1.6 steals, 0.8 blocks. So those stocks are looking good as well. 50% from three on two and a half attempts. But his float is looking good again. Yep. He's finishing around the rim. Um, so he, he just looks confident out there. And like you said, playing like a basketball player. And the Nets are, are getting that out of him. This is... You're as good at basketball as what he was playing alongside James Harden in the pick and roll. He's a really, really, yeah, probably better in terms of more complete 
offensively. You know, he's yep. not just a screen and roll guy anymore. You know, I'm, I'm always impressed when the ball's in his hands. He seems to be making, you know, 0.8 turnovers over that stretch as well. Obviously, he's not Kyrie or KD. He's not going to have the ball in his hands a lot, but he just makes the right decisions at the right times, whereas... Before the trade deadline, you know, he was just missing shots. He was over-fouling. You know, only 2.6 personal fouls over that time as well uh, in 32 minutes of action. So that's really high-quality, high-level basketball from Bruce. Um, and the Nets are going to need it from him because, you know, he's going to be a, a match-up nightmare for some guys. And, you know, if you're leaving him open on the corners and he's standing in front of our bench or on an opposing bench, you know he's going to hit that three. Obviously, didn't get to, to hit one tonight. But offensively, I've been really impressed by him. Is it been that or the defense, Nick, for you that has sort of been like, okay, Bruce is back? Yeah, I think the defense is what we always expect from him. So that's not really a surprise because he was playing really good defense before the hamstring injury early in the season. And then that kind of impacted him. And then DeAndre Bembry getting into his minutes, I think, had an impact as well. But getting back to Bruce, I think offensively, his ability to now not be a minus on that end of the floor, you know, I don't want to call him a full plus, but he's having a, a positive impact on that end of the floor. And like you mentioned, his ball handling, just bringing up the ball, taking some of the stress off other guys, creating for other players sometimes. You know, I think, would you say he's averaging assist-wise over the stretch? It feels like it's over three a game. There's just been... It is. Yep. Yeah, there's, just, there's been opportunities for him to make different plays. And and then just the, the confidence from three. Obviously, two and a half at 50% is an extremely small sample size, but it's just enough to keep the defense a little bit more honest than they've been. No, definitely. And obviously, I think just his mechanics are good. It does look a little bit slow and whatever, but if the shot is wide open, it's sort of like P.J. Tucker. You just want to yep. just take it a little bit. And, and that's what Bruce Brown can be for the Nets. Obviously, a more guard-sized version of that to throw at maybe like a Middleton or some of these other guys or a Kyle Lowry or a Jimmy Butler. Uh, obviously, if the Nets do happen to make the, the postseason beyond the playing around. But <laughs> Nick, Andre, fingers and toes crossed. Uh, Nick, Andre Drummond tonight, 7 of 13 from the field, 6 of 10 from the free throw line, 14 boards. Good to see those boards uh, nice and high again. Two dimes, two blocks, a steal, 20 points, a nice little double-double from Andre Drummond. The, the Hornets are a good matchup for him. Yeah, I mean, I took him in a lot of bets because I just had a feeling he was going to have a big game. He was due for a bounce-back game, you know, a couple of stinkers in a row, and now getting back on track. And like you said, a great matchup for him. And you thought early on in this game was having an impact on the boards. And also the fact that the Hornets were scrambling so much and giving so much attention to Kyrie, KD, or whoever the ball handler was in a lot of situations, Drummond just got wide-open layups. Like, he just got easy dunks in this game. And also I think Goran found him a couple times just – just a lot of easy open looks, and that's what happens when you're just a huge human, you know, rolling into smaller players. And that's that was the case tonight. And this is what you want to see from Drummond because defensively, he's not great. He's going to have a couple highlight plays. He's going to have a couple terrible plays. But if he can provide you a plus on the boards and provide you some level of interior presence scoring wise, then you can, you know, understand the minutes out there. If he's not providing that, that's when it gets questionable because the defense obviously isn't a plus. Nick, I'm not sure if you can hear the music playing in the background, but they're, they're celebrating the Brooklyn Nets actually getting the win. <laughs> One final thing I want to ask you before I have to get back and uh, teach the youth of Melbourne. What else stuck out for you in this game? Was it Paddy Mills getting back to form? What else was there? I think the ball movement, Jack, you know, 33 assists. And I think that's great for a guy like Paddy Mills. That's a great for a guy like Seth Curry, who I mentioned missed a couple of shots. Like they're just able to utilize more of their players. And I think 
as close as the Celtics game was, you know, one of my complaints was more ball movement, more utilization of different guys. And I think even some of these newer players are still trying to get a feel for where they can have an impact. But you can even see, you know, Nash experimenting with some new lineups, playing four guards, four shooters, whatever it might be. So there's some needed cohesion and experience together, but there's still some promise just with what these guys can do from a talent and basketball experience perspective. There's a lot of smart players in this team. A lot of smart players, a lot of good players, hopefully getting into some form. Any final thoughts, my friend, before this music just overtakes me? Yeah, well, it was great to have you on, Jack. I think the Nets needed us to be reunited for a recap, and that's why they're back on the the board with a W. I'm going to continue to jump into some of these player recaps, but it's always great talking to you, Jack. Peace. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Always great recapping with Jack, but just touching on the rest of the players in the game, looking at some different guys and what they provided tonight. Uh, Nick Claxton played about 20 minutes in this one, four points, two of four from the field, two rebounds, one assist, one block, two turnovers. I think in this game, you see all the different elements of Claxton and you know what he can provide in terms of being a more mobile switch defender and how he can recover defensively and still help at the same time. We saw that insane block I think he had in the second quarter. Also, you know, offensively, you see some of his limitations, you know, what he can't do in the short roll or how sometimes he looks hesitant or, you know, where there's times where he gets the ball in the paint, gets doubled where he should just try to kick it out. I think, you know, Clax is a guy that's going to be really hot and cold, but there's still enough promise and potential there where you want to try to find him minutes because, again, when the playoffs come, 
you're going to be forced to play that style of defense a little bit more than a lot of this drop stuff that has happened during the regular season with LaMarcus and Andre Drummond. But moving on from Clax, Goran Dragic played about 28 minutes in this one, five points, two of six on the field, one of four from three, two rebounds, seven assists, two steals, two turnovers. You know, you saw Goran hit some great pass in this game to Andre Drummond, to Kyrie Irving. You know, you just saw his traditional point guard skills. You know, wasn't able to have the same level of impact in terms of scoring this game and getting to the rim. You know, I think some of that, you know, he's not going to necessarily have the juice to beat players one-on-one every game. And also, you know, the Hornets were switching a lot, kind of preventing him from getting that advantage in the pick and roll. But overall, he was a plus out there. And I even think defensively, he didn't get abused, you know, this game, or there wasn't things that really stuck out where he was like, oh man, you know, Goran's on the floor. That's pretty rough out there. I think he held his own on the end of the floor. So another solid performance from him. And one of the reasons he signed here is he wanted to play. This is a game in which Kyrie Irving played and Goran still played 28 minutes. And I think you could see the benefit of having them both out there and how he alleviates the pressure at times from Kyrie and KD just taking the ball off the court, you know, setting guys up and getting everyone involved. So I've been really impressed with the impact he's had on the Nets since signing. But moving on to another guard, Seth Curry made his return to Charlotte, finished with nine points, three of ten from the field, three of eight from three, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, two turnovers. You know, I tweeted something out along the lines of like, you can see Seth is trying to find his role. And I think he just doesn't look super comfortable right now. He doesn't understand where he can have an impact on the game other than three-point shooting. And obviously the three ball has been a little bit off still. Three of eight's not terrible, but you know, on most nights it's probably five of eight for Seth in this game because of the open looks that were created. But overall, you know, not a great game, not a great shooting game, but not a, a terrible performance. And the other sharpshooter, Patty Mills, finished tonight with 12 points, four of seven from the field, four of seven from three, uh, zero rebounds, one assist, and zero turnovers. You know, Patty is now in a role that suits him. And he's also got his minutes down, you know, played about 20 minutes tonight and was able to just really catch fire from three. And that's going to be something the Nets need moving forward. It's just that level of energy. You know, I'd probably rather see, you know, Patty play in that 20 to 25 minute range and be juiced up rather than play, you know, 28 to 30 minutes. I think a high energy juiced up Patty Mills is better than, you know, the consistency maybe throughout the game and, you know, a level of balance. I think you want that burst from him. And I think Nash used him in that right, right role tonight. So looking forward to this combination of guards and, you know, the impact they can have. And we even saw tonight, some four guard lineups with clacks out there going to be interested to see how Steve Nash leans into offense. Obviously we know a lot of the quotes from him early in the season. We're a defensive team now, blah, blah, blah. And as we've mentioned on many podcasts, you know, the Nets are an offensive team. If they're going to be great, they're going to be great offensively. That's where they're really going to, you know, dominate the floor. It's not going to be defensively. They're not going to be shutting teams down under 90 points. It's going to be because they score 120, they score 130 or whatever it might be. But moving on, some other guys, uh, James Johnson tonight, you know, four points, one or two from the field, two or two from the free throw line, three assists, three rebounds, played about 11 minutes. You know, I think that's a number that we can live with as Nets fans. There's so many hot and cold possessions from James Johnson. You know, he comes in the game. And he overhelps in a way where he's out in the perimeter and he's kind of reaching down, digging down, but he's not close enough to really impact the ball handler, but he's still giving up that open position to his 
his uh, offensive player that he's defending and gives up a wide open three. It happened two or three times in this game. You know, I don't know if it's just athletically he thinks that he's quicker than he is or it's just, you know, a mental mistake he's making. But that's something that definitely stuck out. I will say one of his nicer play of the games were the the drop off pass he had to Patty Mills and, you know, almost like a dribble handoff in the corner, set him up for a wide open three. That was pretty stuff. But small doses of James Johnson, I think, can be acceptable. But there's still times in matchups where, you know, it's just it's not going to be good for him. And he did miss also, I think, like a uh, two foot layup in this game. So James Johnson continues to be hot and cold, obviously a little bit more cold and hot. But overall, you know, no one really was horrendous tonight. You know, Kevin Durant probably had his worst game of the season, which is 14 points, six of 13 from the field and, you know, seven assists and three rebounds did have the five turnovers. But the Nets still were able to get a double-digit win and still able to get a big win on the road in the standings. And, you know, it all matters matters moving forward. And I think it's almost a blessing that the Nets can win a game with KD not popping off, where if you had asked before the game if he had under 20 points, could the Nets win? Most people would have probably said no. So it's nice to see, you know, other guys stepping up. You know, obviously Kyrie had a historic night in 50-point game, but Drummond dropped 20. KD had 14. Bruce had 14. You got 12 from Patty. You got nine from Seth Curry. You got five from Gorin. So there's some different input and production from guys across the board, and that's what you want to see. I think, again, like I mentioned to Jack, the ball movement tonight definitely really stuck out. 33 assists, you know, involving guys and allowing them to be successful and setting them up because you're going to create create a ton of advantages with Kyrie and KD. They're just that good of players. They're going to see double teams. They're going to get a lot of attention, and that's going to set up other guys to either have open shots or be one pass away from a shot or be two passes away from a great shot. So credit credit the team for making the right play tonight, especially offensively. And, you know, in, in the concern department, I would just mention I'd like to see the Nets have a better – reaction to zone defense they have too many elite shooters and elite offensive players to be stonewalled by a zone defense you know the net should have more counters in their pocket to eliminate some of the advantages teams think that they create with that zone defense but overall really happy with the nets win much needed much needed for the standings you know the nets continue to try to get to that seventh and sixth seed you know not something we thought we'd be talking about at this point in the season but overall you know you are where you are and you just have to take it one game at a time obviously big matchup thursday against philly but as always big thanks everybody for listening make sure you check the buzz on all stream platforms everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.